everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 147. Today we are going to be having Marco and Nabil, who is back by the way. Hi guys. Do a little uh, mini review of the Oscar films. Oscar, I don't know, I mean we call them punishment films, but the Oscar films that I... Mm-hmm. Films that are involved because they lost Oscar bowling, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because James gotta, won for another year, and I know we talked about it last last pot, and that's fine. I wasn't here. I understand, James. You're very <laughs> good at this. I was very close. If I had confidence in my scores, that's all I'm going to say on this. But yes, we're going to listen to reviews of films we're watching. <laughs> so okay. I was like, well, man, no, I almost. We I thought we had this all out of our system. I forgot <laughs> Nabil hadn't yet um, talked about it. I guess no. Oh, and so, again. Not bitter at all. I'm good. We, we can't disclose where Nabil was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't worry about that, guys. The city You've where, seen the news. Just yeah. know that's all you need to know. <laughs> Man, I don't know how to take that one. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. He's like, I'm about to be at an arraignment tomorrow. He's, he's um, been selected. All right, he's been selected to go to the moon. Sorry, surprise. So uh, after that, of course, we're going to have our main review of Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. So with that being said, let's get into our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. All right, and our topic of the week this time is going to be these mini Oscar reviews. Not really a topic, so I don't really know how I said topic of the week, but I've already said it. I'm not going back. So I went ahead and I did give two movies here. So we're going to start with Marco first. So Marco, just because I wrote your name first and went alphabetical order. Uh, I gave you the 2008 somewhat unknown film called Lake Mungo. I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. My daughter Alice has gone safely to normally tranquil setting of Ararat's Norval Dam was shattered yesterday with the disappearance of 16-year-old Alice Palmer while picnicking with her family. I don't know why it's important, like how it helps people like dealing with their loss, like making up stories about ghosts or whatever. Alice kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. And this movie sits at a 95% of Rotten Tomatoes. The IMD description is Alice drowns while swimming and her family begins experiencing inexplicable events in their home. The family hires a parapsychologist whose investigation reveals Alice's secret double life and leads them all to Lake Mungo. Directed and written by Joel Anderson, this premiered at the Cindy Sydney Film Festival on June 18th, 2008. So, Marco, I have to ask you, what did you think about Lake Mungo? Um, it was pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. Did I you did, this... did you like the style of it? By the way, I have to ask. Yeah, I thought that the style was was original to a point. It it's sort of like a found footage type of style, but it's more like a like a documentary. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. like a mix of both, which I thought was a different take on the found footage style. And I, I like that because it just it gives this sort of like more realism to it. Yeah. Um, did you think it was scary? Did you what, what What did you think of it overall, like in the in terms of that? So let me preface this by saying that I had explicit instructions <laughs> from James to watch this. In one sitting, in the dark. It is not a long movie, by the way. I will say that much. Alone, and for some reason, (laughs) in the nude. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't say you had to watch it alone. You could have watched it with people. I don't care. But as long as you were naked with those people, as long as you were nude. I don't know why. I underlined it actually and italicized it. I'm like, just I. It's very specific, (laughs) and I need photos afterwards. Not a big deal though. Yeah. So you know. Took one for the pod, and I was like, all right, got to do what I got to do, I guess. So Ooh, tonight was a sweaty one, too. God. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but I, I did I did watch it alone in the dark, and uh, I think it did add a lot to the atmosphere and the ambience of the film that I enjoyed. There, there were some, I wasn't necessarily like scared per se, but 
there were some pretty creepy moments. Like the they they do. You can spoil do, it by the way. Marco. Yeah, they, like no, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. But they 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 okay. do a lot of uh, different decisions that kind of leave you uh, uneasy, and you're like, oh shit. Yes. So I kind of like that. Um, uh, I I, I got to ask then. Did you? Li- I I want to tell you right off the bat. Well, actually, let me get into this. Well, before recommendations, there. Do do you know why I probably chose this for you? I think you chose it because I tend to like more of these psychological type of horror movies, and you felt that this would probably fit up my alley. In a way, maybe. Um, also, I think it's just a really good horror film. I actually rewatched this too recently, so I wanted to be fresh on. I've seen it before. I didn't see it when it first came out. I had never heard of it until about two years ago. And mm. I'll say this much: I think there are some really creepy parts. I think in the rewatch, it's even slightly creepier because if you know what's going on in certain shots, you can actually look on certain things and you see things that they're not calling out, and it's super fucking creepy. It it sort of reminded me of a uh, house on uh, haunted hill. Oh, really? Okay. Was that, was that not not was that the one that's on Netflix? The Netflix special. Um, uh, you're talking about the uh, haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House. There we go. Yeah, where they do a lot of like these, you know, if 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 blinking and you miss type of moments, you're like, oh shit, did I see what the hell was that? You're just kind of like there, kind of shit like it, that. Yeah. yeah, it it kind of if it fucks with you in that way, and and there's this, they do a lot of things that Kubrick did this similar type of thing in The Shining, where there's like hidden imageries and stuff mm-hmm. that just sort of like make you feel uneasy. And make it feel like you're not watching it alone. So it's not perfect. There were some some aspects of it that I was just like, they could have probably not done this. Like I'm uh, not a major spoiler, but there's a part where they talk to like a psychic, and you can either do that pretty well or you can't. Like I think that um, Hereditary did a good job with that when they talk to a medium in that one. It's done pretty well. It's not a long scene. It's not it doesn't overstay its welcome. And I felt that that aspect of it just kind of a little bit overstayed its welcome, but you can look past that. And the rest of the movie is uh, strong enough to, to make it good. I will say this much. The, um, the fact that they use like unknown people, I think, I don't think anybody was like a real actor in this movie. Um, the fact that they were all Australian. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that too. It adds to the mockumentary kind of feel to it though. It almost feels like they are just interviewing like some dudes, like, like a family and they're just talking like, yeah, this is what happened. And you know, the reason why I, I also chose it because as somebody that's experienced loss in your life, this movie does a really good job. I think of not just being a horror film. It's also about how people cope with yeah. loss and what they choose to do. So in a way, the film is almost a bit dramatic in a way that, yeah, it's filled with creepy shit. Don't get me wrong, but there it, it also shows you the stages of grief and like how people deal with that kind of grief. Yeah, so I, I thought it, you would find that um, interesting to tell you the truth. So yeah, I I, th- I think that the, the everything that the family does as they're grieving, you know, the loss of their loved one, is very reminiscent of what happens when you do lose someone that close to you, and the 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 sort of the depths you'd go to kind of like deal with that, and mm-hmm. even the the denial part of it, where you're just like. You know, they'll, they'll they'll be back next month, or you know, they'll they'll be back next year. It's fine. Yeah, and you're just telling yourself. This, uh, sorry, I yeah. think there's even a scene where the dad is like, "Why why'd you leave the porch light on?" And he's like, "In case she comes home or something." And even though yeah. he knows, right? And it's like kind of weird. Yeah, so, even down to happen, how yeah. like the the way the family like reacts to this incident and what happens to them. You know, at times they're close, at other times they're at odds with each other, or there's just this kind of like weird sort of vibe in the house and that that happens you know because it's there's this empty space that you don't know what to do mm-hmm. with so that that part okay. yeah i think was handled very well cool uh so would you recommend it to uh people obviously sounds like you would probably yeah i think it's a solid horror movie really i think if you whether you're a hardcore horror fan or not or a casual horror fan i think that you would really enjoy this one i do recommend what uh what James said, you know, watch it in the dark. You don't, not in the nude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to, it's to you. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 you do you. CR. Go for it. Yeah, if you haven't noticed at this point, it's, that was a joke. But uh, <laughs> someone's like, "Well, goddamn, I wrote that down." Like, well, shit, I'm gonna do it. Uh, yeah, just watch it in the dark. Uh, it's it's a lot creeper that way. I think that I think so, it hits harder that way. And yeah, it's not that long. It's like an hour and a half, if that. So I think it's only an hour twenty actually. Or hour twenty. Yeah, yeah, hour. just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I think the the time included the credits. But yeah, it's like a under an hour and a half. It's it's would yeah. would this even be creepier if I told you that Joel Anderson has basically disappeared off the face of the planet? Like nobody knows what he's really been up to, apparently. Like he's hard to reach or can't oh, shit. nobody can reach this guy. This is the only movie he's ever directed. Holy shit. Maybe he didn't enjoy making the film. Who knows? That's what I didn't even ask him. From what I've heard, it was shot on a shoestring budget, but it sounds like this guy had a lot of like talent. Like this could have been something like even with imagine with a bigger budget, this guy probably would have killed. So yeah. Hopefully he pops yeah. up somewhere one day. But I'm I, assuming I he's w- Australian. So yeah, I, I think it works at a smaller budget. And I like mm-hmm. that it's the it's the story really that carries it as well. Cause the mystery, they don't really reveal the mystery until like the last like 15 minutes or so exactly. of the movie, yep. like what's going on. So it keeps you engaged as you're like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, you know? Whereas some other movies will reveal it like, you know, at the beginning or the halfway point, And then by then it's lost its interest. It really keeps you engaged because like, the, you know, they'll say, oh, maybe this happened. Maybe that happened. And right yep. when you think that happened, there's a lot like, of red herrings in this film. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. So I, w- I would definitely give it another shot and probably watch it again. Yeah, I think uh, even a sec- I like I said, I did the rewatch completely in the dark, too, and nude as well. I'll just let you know. Um, <laughs> that's just the way I like to watch films. Just to be exposed to the elements, you know. But um, fully exposed. I, I still got creeped out. Like on, like I said, on several shots, there's shots where you wouldn't know where to look until the end of the film. So this time around, I was looking. I was like, "Oh, that's we're uh, turtlenecking." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is super spooky." So that's cool, though. I'm glad yeah. you. Uh, I'm glad you liked it, Marco. No, good, good recommendation, man. I'm yeah. glad you were. You went easy on me. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was looking. I was like, I, I was like, I'd rather just you guys watch these fucking movies. Like. <laughs> All right. So moving on to Nabil's film here. Nabil, I chose the 1988 film, The Vanishing. Je m'appelle Raymond Lemorne. Je suis sociopathe et claustrophobe. Je n'ai jamais trompé ma femme. Ah. So this is um, sitting at a 98% of Rotten Tomatoes as well. Pretty high, both these movies. Um, And the IMDb description is Rex and Saskia, a young couple in love, are on vacation. They stop at a busy service station and Saskia is abducted. After three years, no sign of Saskia, Rex begins receiving letters from the abductor. This is directed by George Sluzer, who also did La Balza de Piedre in 2002, Dying to Go Home in 1996, and Utz in 1992. This is written by and based on the novel by Tim Crabb. This uh, premiered in the Netherlands on October 27th, 1988. So I wasn't quite yet born, but almost. I was. Marco was 43, and he, he, yes. he took a boat to see this. He went by ship to see this. <laughs> sure yeah. did. He's like, hey there, boys. So, Nabil, what did you think of The Vanishing? Well, first of all, since I had to watch this film, um, not dubbed, it was subbed. We, we should also call it by its Danish name, which is Spurlos. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. I didn't think you were going to go that way, but okay. Um, it you know, it was it was a surprisingly uh, interesting film. I enjoyed it. It it had a uh, it started a little slow, and it, it's you don't know where it's going. Uh, there's like no real setup to a plot until about twenty minutes in, and then suddenly some the the kidnapping, the abduction here happens, and you're just like, oh, okay, where where we're we going with this? And the film then kind of changes pace, and it's very. I think from like a um, the the uh, direction that the 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 
picture that the director had in mind and what he was doing with this film it it is it's, it's like a tale it's really told in three parts and it's very interesting how he puts that together because you're getting essentially three different perspectives you're getting the perspective of the couple then you have uh it's going to be a bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen the film but well it's going to be uh the perspective of the killer and then you're getting the perspective of the killer and the boyfriend rex together so it's it's kind of told in different ways, and you're not sure of everybody's motive or what's going to happen throughout each instance until something happens. And it was it was pretty enthralling, especially once you get into once they're at the service station, you you kind of get brought in into what's what's going on, what happened mm-hmm. to to uh, Saskia. Did anything um, did anything stand out? Did did you find it creepy a bit? You know, I I didn't find it very creepy. I I did as you said as well. Um, I was I was in the dark. <laughs> and I was I was naked. You know, I had had to do it right. You have my to cheeks, do it. Nice on the the leather <laughs> like, sofa. All the Dutch do it this way, so maybe you do it as well. <laughs> did, did my butthole clench? Probably at the very end, but you know, no yeah. stains on the sofa, so it's good. <laughs> but I will say so. So two things that really stood out for me that I really appreciated this film. First of all, the twist at the end. This so th- there's an American version of this film that came out a few years later, which with uh, Jeff way, Bridges, was directed by George Loser as well. But and it's, it ends differently. It's it's, it's a different film. Terrible. Yeah, I I remember not liking it so much, but I it was on a Kiefer Sutherland cake when I was uh, a little yeah. younger. So I'd seen all his films up to a certain point, and I saw this film uh, and. Didn't like it as much, but it, you know it's it different. The story was interesting enough, but it was very American the way that film ended compared to how this movie is, yeah, and it's right. done. Yeah, it's done way better. It's um, so the twist here uh, at the end where essentially Rex dies. I won't say how he dies because I think it's worth watching, but he does, and it's um, very surprising. I think it is. It's surprising that that happens, and I didn't expect it, and I enjoyed that part of it. And then the second part is also Rex like still pining over Saskia, trying to find find out who killed her, and having a renewed interest even more so. Like it still haunts him. Um, he has a girlfriend at the time after three years later, and he's still kind of obsessing trying to figure it out because yeah. the killer is essentially goading him to you know say hey. hey you know, I'm still out here kind of thing. And he kind of buys into it, Rex, to figure out what happened. And it's like, he still loves her. He misses her. And he's he's he just wants to have some closure and isn't getting it. And that's kind of what leads to his death, is that he just wants that closure. He won't be able to live without it. And that, that way of telling the story, especially in that third act, I really appreciate it, too. Because you don't get that in a lot of films. You know, it's usually like, oh, we've moved on. But the killer's still out there. How are we going to find him? You know, it's like, who cares about the love story? But this still really put this back. You can see Rex, like, agonizing over just wanting this to be over with um, and finding out what happened to Saskia. So I, I appreciate it. Those two things like, were really uh, unique in this film compared to a lot of other films that I've seen and that have a similar kind of vibe. Yeah. And I mean, I guess we're going full spoilers on it. But, um I won't say how it happens either, but there there isn't. I think the creepy part is that like Saskia had a dream about like a golden egg that yeah. she tells uh, Rex about, and he realizes at the end it's like the last. It's because like he lights up his lighter, and that's the only thing he sees in this location mm-hmm. he's at, and it's like that. It signifies that like they had like premonitions of their own death and stuff too. So it's it's pretty creepy that in that aspect too. So. Yeah, kind of like kindred spirits, but and she has like essentially yeah. this kind of dream that's both poetic and romantic, but also you know it's, it's to their detriment. You know that it leads to yeah, no, definitely. It's like a it's, it's foreshadowing a, a very dark ending. Yeah, in both in in more than one way, I guess I'd say. But um, mm-hmm. cool then. Uh, why why do you think I chose this for you then? I I assumed after, especially at the ending, I assumed it was first for the twist because you know I love a good twist that I don't see coming, um, which isn't very uh, in most films Please. that I I don't see <laughs> coming. Anyways, this is my uh, yeah. no way. <laughs> um, and the psychological thriller aspect of it because I do like those kind of films too. Those are the ones I kind of go towards. So I assumed that those were kind of the reasons why, and also because I talk shit about watching films dubbed rather than subbed and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I literally chose a film that had no English fucking uh, dub. So I was like, I have to find a movie that is only subtitled. So when I found this, I was like, okay. But I, I watched it actually too, by the way. So 
I watched yeah. it about two weeks prior to even giving this to you. Uh, it just kind of stuck with me. For some reason, I was, I was having Double nightmares too. after watching this. Really? Yeah, it messed me up a little bit, man. I don't know why. I was in a dark place when I watched this one the first time. And it was, um, I don't know, something about the kidnapping just stood out. It, it reminded me a lot of, like, you know, like in when we were growing up in the 90s, like it seemed like a lot, like a lot of people got kidnapped. Kind of shit. Well, I don't know. Or it appears to be at least. That's what the creepy thing is about this one, right? Yeah. So, so to talk a little bit more about the the kidnapper himself, his story. They're showing how he becomes uh, essentially how this kidnapping occurs. Yeah. Like he's making several attempts, like he's actual attempts. He's yeah. not like practicing something at home. He is doing that too, but he's actually making attempts to try to kidnap people. And he, like you said, he's terrible. He's, like he's doing a shit yeah. job at it. It's crazy. Um, and, even his initial attempt of trying to kidnap Saskia failed. This happens only by chance because she um, sparked a conversation, was interested in something, and kind of yeah. went for it. And he didn't expect it. Like, he was about to just give up on the whole thing. So, this this is creepy in that sense because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a random act of violence. Like, you wouldn't have... She, she yeah. really wasn't the mark. You don't know what it would have been. It could he's have been like anybody. A, he's like a professor or something like that yeah and it's just like you 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 the perspective from his point of view too is very unique in a way because yeah like you said you don't even see that until like that's like the second act of the film Mm -hmm. and then it's just him like even like seeing how long chloroform lasts and how how much to use and he's like he's a psycho he's just he's crazy as fuck very methodical yeah and he and he's he's very precise with everything he has got to do from his distance and he's like oh i gotta take someone over from here and it's James uh, on a Tuesday night. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> no, me and uh, me and Mark know somebody like that. But um, <laughs> I would say also the reason why I did it is I, I looked it up and somebody it, it's been rated on a few things. Like it has one of the more, most horrifying endings to a film. Yeah, the it's ending a, is what was the most. Yeah, creepiest. I think the ending is what stands out the most because I, I mean I can picture it in my head right now still. That's how much and I saw it like a month ago at this point. So it's like oh shit. So. It's like that. Um, what was that movie? The Ryan Reynolds film is it buried? Yeah, and how he's he's buried the whole time. Um, that kind of how that film ends is the same way. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. you know, Ooh, you get freaked shit. out the film because of claustrophobia, like because he's just shit, in that man. cell box. But the way it ends, it, it instantly reminded me of that. I was like, oh my god! Like, imagine waking up in a place and you know, it's just crazy. I don't want to go too much detail, but yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, would you recommend it to people? Oh, or? certainly. Yeah. I mean, even if the as a casual horror fan, if, if you're, you know, if you get squeamish, like I, this is there's no blood or anything in this. This is a very different kind of film. But it, it will, um, obviously, for James, it, it messed him up in a different way. But like for me, at the ending, yeah. that was the biggest trip out for me. So you'll you'll find some creep factor over here that will get under your skin um, throughout the watch. But it is a very interesting story from start to finish as you kind of go along with it and it starts to unfold you know the little bits in each act so yeah i would totally recommend this one and it, i think it was a solid choice for me i appreciate that yeah no i thought it was really good too and like it, you know uh, both themes of these movies are just movies that really just kind of creep me out in a different way and i was like here here's some creepy stuff guys so. <laughs> sure i might check well, this one out next I think you should, man. I think it's. I good. think you'd like this, Marco. They even did a Criterion Collection on this one. I, I mean, I watched it on nice. the Criterion Collection channel, so I don't know if you had it rented or not, Nabil. Or I re- yeah, I rented it. Yeah, yeah but uh, super worth it. I was like, well, there's a lot of imagery in there that sticks. Is all I'm gonna say because it. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I don't know why it just creeped me out. I was like, dude, what the fuck, man. Cool. So that was uh, Marco and Nabil's mini reviews of Lake Mungo and The Vanishing. So let's move on to our main review now of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. We're thieves, but we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing and unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. The Red Wizards created an army of the undead. Sounds lovely. Quite the opposite. I know, I was being ironic. I find irony is a blade that cuts he who wields it most especially. You're not a lot of fun, are you? How are we gonna pull this off? We're gonna need a team. You need Follow me to the orifice. Back to the orifice? I'll go last. Let's go! Oh my man.
he missed. No, that's not good. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. It's currently sitting with a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. A charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic. But things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. This film was directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who also did Vacation and Game Night. The screenplay was written by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who also wrote Horrible Bosses and Spider-Man Homecoming, as well as Michael Giglio. The story was also by Chris McKay and Michael Giglio. This film came out in theaters on March 31st and is currently sitting there now, so you guys should go and watch it if you haven't already. Starring Chris Pine as Edgen Darvis, Michelle Rodriguez as Holga Kilgore, Reggie Jean Page as Zank Ziendar, Justice Smith as Simon Omar, Sophia Lillis as Doric, Hugh Grant as Forge Fitzwilliam, Chloe Coleman as Kira Darvis, and Daisy Head as Sofino. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to actually start with you, James, um, and ask you, what is your actual history with Dungeons & Dragons? The movies, the games, card games, the role-playing shows, everything. Like, Have you seen it? Have you played it? Are you into this or nothing at all? Yeah, I have a pretty big history with Dungeons & Dragons. When I was in middle school, I, I used to play it a lot. So it's one of those things that... Um, me and a couple of friends or me and my brother at home, we'd make our own little adventures and such. We had all the books and it wasn't as like uh, it wasn't as intricate as it is nowadays where people are using like miniatures and fucking maps. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it depends what you want to do. But I mean, there's always variations to how you can play. But yeah, I played it a lot. Um, I've read a I lot mean, of those uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Forgotten Realms books. He's um, dressed like a bard right now. So <laughs> he's raising <laughs> I have a loot wrapped around my back. So a lot of those, a lot of those games, Baldur's Gate, <laughs> Neverwinter Nights, everything. I, I, I really got into it back then. So movie wise too. I mean, I watched the original one. I didn't see it in theaters. It's at the time though, I liked it. I've told Mark about yeah. it just because, like, you know, I was so knee deep into like Dungeons and Dragons, and like you wanted to just see some shit on the screen and see like a beholder or something, you know, you know. Yeah. But it's like, it's not good. I even had the DVD one and. Even that there's three of them, right? I think there's three Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> there are three. I wasn't even aware of the third one until recently, and I've never seen it. Apparently, it's super hard to find. It was only it was I only released terrible. DVD out here. But <laughs> I mean, I, I don't wow. think I'm missing out by not seeing that third one. So, uh, for the most part, though, yeah, I have a I have a pretty big thing with it. And like I said, I I used to love reading the books too. So, did um were were did you catch a lot of uh, Easter eggs in oh, the film? was yeah. very connected okay well, oh, yeah. we can talk a little bit more about that then what about you marco any history with dungeons and dragons or anything around that no none whatsoever i think i i'd been invited quite a few times to play dungeons and dragons but it never really like caught my appeal i never really like decided oh, to play so a you, game so you just said i don't play that nerd shit and you just fucking walked off <laughs> Cool. No, it's just like someone played once. (laughs) When someone tried to uh, explain to me like how the campaigns work, I'm like, "How long is this fucking game?" I was like, "Bro, I gotta go." There's no short. There's really no short ones either. Yeah. 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 I'm like, bro, you're talking about committing some time in my life here, and I don't know. But you know, 25 years old, I can't be doing this anymore. As I as I as I'm older and uh, slightly more wiser or maybe dumber, I don't know. I, I've been curious to just try it once and just be like, I I feel like maybe I should experience it once. I like games. I like board games. I like fucking video games. I like you know, uh, role play games. So it may be something I might enjoy trying at least once. So you know, it's definitely piqued my interest. But yeah, I, I've had no history with it, really. I mean, I, I know it was super popular. I've heard of the first movie I, that came out a while ago. I never knew there were any sequels at all. I was like, I mean, they're direct to DVD. Yeah, they're direct to DVD. <laughs> okay, that explains it. Yeah. But um, this is me just going in completely blind into a world. I'm like, is this how a casual Star Wars fan feels when they're like in the movie theater and like, you know, I'm fucking nerding the fuck out knowing every single fucking reference? But it worked. Yeah, I guess. Okay. 
options. <laughs> like so many thoughts. I, I mean, I'm I'm with you as well, Marco. I have never really played the game. I mind you, I didn't have a lot of friends when I was younger, so I didn't have Here the opportunity to get connected <laughs> with it and and be invited to play any of these games. But you know, like Dungeons and Dragons is the original RPG. So yeah. you know, a lot of I mean, you guys have seen it on Stranger Things, right? Like yeah, like you've yeah, seen I it mean, on a lot on of this shit show. On it. They, any go. RPG game or like any other role playing game that you want to play it has some kind of element of of what Dungeons and Dragons has done. So there's always some adjacent yeah. connection to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've I've definitely had interest in it. I just have never actually played it myself or been uh, invited to do anything because you know I'm not cool. But it's fine, whatever. I'm not. I, I don't think the cool people no. play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah, get the cool people bill. definitely didn't. Bill. Like, spoiler alert, bro. Like <laughs> just to let you know, especially when we were. In middle school and high school, yeah, just, I don't, I, the bill, I just like all the nerd shit that is popular now and quote unquote cool, we all got made fun of as kids for liking that shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. I will say that my my wife has actually played Dungeons and Dragons a, a few times when uh, nice. uh, a few years back, so she has that on me. And when I when we were going to watch the film, she's like, I probably catch some of these stuff. I should know some of the references. I was like, Wow, she's she knows something more than I do. Even if you didn't do that though, I, I mean, like Baldur's Gate and Ice Baldur's Gate was like and, the one reference I got there. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of those Dungeons and Dragons games that were pretty popular back in the mm-hmm. '90s and early 2000s. So. Yep. And I did. I, mean, I watched the movie too, the dungeon, the original one. I, I like. I, I feel it was like on a lot TV of did. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a fine film. Jeremy Although, Irons uh, just uh, gave it his all in that one. He's that. You know, <laughs> that's what. I, if I remember correctly, that's probably one of the first times I saw him in a film that I can remember at least. And I thought it was great, so it definitely sold it for me. I'm, I'm like, sure. Is that Jafar? Look, <laughs> 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 is that the bad guy from Die Hard with a Vengeance? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's him. Well, let's talk about a little bit about the movie itself then. Uh, Marco, since you've never actually been correlated yourself, at least with Dungeons and Dragons that you're aware of, what did you think about the film? So I went in with no expectations whatsoever. I, truthfully, I was not interested in watching this movie at all. So when we picked it, I was like, sure, why not? Let me step out of my comfort zone. With that said, I thanks, Marco. I feel like it's not that I far out here. I grudgingly agreed to do this fucking movie with these guys. Little <laughs> did they know, inside my head, I was dreading it. And I was like, well, at least I'm going to go see it with James. I'm not going to be alone. So if I don't like it, I can complain to his ear the whole fucking movie and just annoy the fuck Guess out what? of him. Didn't even sit by me. Sat next to my knee. No. <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> no, I my friend. Let him, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> So I I was actually pleasantly surprised. I fucking loved this movie, dude. This movie definitely surprised me. I went ahead and even tweeted about it after seeing it because it was that fucking entertaining. I have to stop it. Marco was the loudest person in this theater. <laughs> was Absolutely. Loud. Oh, no. At every yeah. single time. Yeah. I looked over at him. I looked over and I was like, he's enjoying himself. He's enjoying yeah. himself. It was, dude, I, I had so much fun with this fucking movie. I, I think it was just well-crafted, well-made. Uh, I was saying earlier how, you know, uh, how it feels like to be, you know, the the non-fan in the movie theater. And this movie caters to everyone. I think it does a good job at holding your hand and kind of, like, bringing you up to speed with this world and also catering to the hardcore fans. So it, it, it was just a fucking delight, dude. The acting was on par. The script was on par. Like... Yeah, okay. It it had a, you know, an, an a really like basic villain, but I think the rest of the characters they just helped carry the movie and made it that much enjoyable. I think the 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 chemistry between these actors was really well done. Uh I'm a, you know, fan of Chris Pine, so, you know, knock on wood on that. Um <laughs> You know, I wanted to saying I, I like these actors. I'm just gonna say that right now. I regret saying certain things on our last pod, and uh yeah, anyway, I'm just making that statement right now. <laughs> anyway, I liked these characters and uh I felt that their chemistry really like was a pleasant, pleasant surprise in this movie as well. Um I didn't even know that Sophia Lillis was in this, uh, which is cool. It's nice to see her getting no more work um, yeah. especially after the hit movies so um not that they're bad or anything but she was in a really good tv show remember that we watched and they can't yeah oh god 
Netflix. <laughs> Canceling that Thanks, fucking Netflix show, dude. Again? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Never, never get to know the mystery of that movie, that that show now. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, Hugh Grant was a pleasant surprise. I didn't. I I barely watched the trailer for this movie, so there were some actors in here that were that were surprising to me. So I didn't know Hugh Grant was in it, and I thought that it was great that he was in this film too. I felt he was a good addition to the cast. Before, before we go into more with with James too and his opinion, but let me just add, have you guys watched any of the press tour of this with Chris Pine and and specifically Hugh Grant? And yeah, I, I, uh, I tend to stay away from it. I can tell you that Hugh Grant is very British, and so he has a very dry humor. And he's talking to all. He doesn't do like a lot of the the pop culture interviews, so this is like a first that I've at least that I've seen him in. And all these people are interviewing him, and he's talking so much shit about like not about the nerd part of of this thing, but just like I never played this. I don't know nothing about it. You know, like they wanted me to play a villain. I thought it was a good idea. And he keeps yeah. getting asked these questions, and it sounds like he's talking down to them, and he's kind of committed to the bit because every interview he does the same thing and everybody just goes quiet like especially when he's doing panels and it's fucking hilarious because you can see because chris pine is next to him and he's looking at him like like dying on the inside like laughing because he can he knows that he's fucking around but nobody's getting it and chris pine is (laughs) british people are too proper because you're like he must mean that because he's not laughing it's so funny to watch him just do these interviews and all these like little things on youtube i just wanted to throw that out there because it's hilarious to see him um (laughs) So James, what about you? What were your thoughts on the film, on the on the ensemble cast? Uh, how how was your experience? Yo, I uh, I was really looking forward to it. I was telling Marco before I was like, this is the same guys that directed Game Night, which was like one of my favorite comedies when it came out. So A surprise, good, yeah, surprisingly right? good film when we watched yeah. it. I remember that. Yeah. So this was I was like I heard it's really funny. So I went in and yeah, no, it it blew my expectations out of the water. I was kind of expecting just a decent film, but then early buzz was like, hey, this is actually pretty goddamn good. So I thought the cast was great. Uh, it felt like a Dungeons and Dragons like adventure the whole way through, like even to the point of like, oh, everything they get into and to, you know, to the boss, kind of like the boss at the end, right? <laughs> it's fucking yeah. Sophina, the fucking kind of was yeah. It was like yeah. a pretty solid boss boss battle. Yeah, it was like so, a boss good. battle. She's like whooping their ass and stuff. Um, I thought the sense of just like camaraderie between the leads was really well done. It it was very believable. Um, I thought it was it was cool. It's just that they show every little aspect as much as they could without overdoing it. Like nothing overstates its welcome in this movie. At least that's how I felt it was. So it was one of those mm-hmm. things where I just it was a lot of fun. Just you know. Just a fun film. It was really nice to look at. I like that they have a lot of practical effects too. Um, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I agree with you guys. I think that the the film, of course, overall, I enjoyed it. And the just like you guys were saying, the key thing was the cast. Like they they all melded really well together. There was a good rapport built with each one. I think everybody got enough room to breathe. You know, like you had, there was a scene with Michelle Rodriguez, I think about early on in the first act where she got to have an all out brawl. And then there's like a side thing with her and her relationship history and Chris Pine's adventures and his, you know, his scheming and plans. He has like, you get to sit down with that a little bit and just get to learn more about them and in a meaningful way, because the film isn't very long. Um, So they find enough time to put this all together. Hugh Grant's character, who's a con man, um, you know, who kind of is a bad guy in a way. And so it's not a spoiler to say because he says it all over the place. But yeah, it's it's like his nature. So it's interesting to see his character, like all, all these things that they put together made it m- much more enjoyable because you got enough to, to get their motivations. I, I will say it, it actually is not short though, Nabil. That's just a, a credit to the, th- the movie's two hours and 15 minutes long. So really? Yeah. See, yeah. It, and it doesn't feel that long though. Cause you feel like you've, there's good pacing towards it. It has definitely, I would agree. Mm. And just, just to add as well, Chris Pine is just very, he's very charismatic in this film. He's, he's and handsome. I missed that from like star Trek. The last time yeah. I, we'd seen him in something like uh, the role like that, at least for me is it reminded me of that character of him playing Captain Kirk. Like I really enjoyed seeing him like this. And I'm just wondering, like, is he like this in real life? Cause he's pretty, it seems pretty cool when he's in a film like this and just seems to, to have a good time. So. Well, I, as I told Marco, he also, you know, he's a graduate from UC Berkeley. So he's okay in my book. It's <laughs> so. forever yeah, cool. represent. So I don't know. But again, I'm going to be cautious with what I say. 
Yeah. <laughs> Poor Marco. I mean, too many times. I'm going to stop you can always give a thumbs up to You can always give a thumbs up for UC Berkeley. Yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, James, just to yeah. kind of talk a little bit more about the leads, any other characters or any of the stars stand out for you that you, yes. you wanted to highlight? I am not a big fan of Netflix shows, but apparently this uh, reg- reggae Jean Page guys, Jean Page, sorry, or fuck it is. <laughs> That dude was fucking hilarious. He was better than I thought it was going to be. There are yeah. there are like alignments in Dungeons and Dragons where like you can be like heroic good or you know neutral bad or chaotic evil blah blah. There's all these there's all these things where it, your character fits into one of these and obviously he's a paladin. He is definitely like a heroic good character where he's like no nothing he says is a joke. It's all very straightforward. I thought his line deliveries and this what he do- dude he comes out looking just handsome as hell and he just touches a fish thing and then he takes a cat creature out and everyone's just like oh my god right and then he just walks off into the wind in the sunset I was like dude what the fuck just happened and he keeps walking straight <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the walking straight part was fucking hilarious he's like oh look he's coming up there's two rocks oh nope going right over him I was just, like dying on that part I'm like what oh fuck. Chris Pine, uh, as as uh, Darvis, he starts like talking shit about him, like whispering, and fucking dude can still hear him. And I was just fucking dying, dude. He's like, "What? I can hear you." He's like, "What?" He's like, "I hate this guy." He's like, "I can still hear you." Hear you? I was like, "Oh shit, man!" And the guy was just like, oh, "What a son of a bitch!" He's like, "So it's the mother's fault." <laughs> <laughs> And then, he, and then, and then, fucking Justice Smith's character says something like, like just being a smartass. And he's like, "Well, yeah, wouldn't that be it?" Then he's like, "No, he's, I just said that." He's like, "I'm just joking." He's like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I thought his shit was. I he was. I I actually wanted to cut a little bit more of him. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of him. Yeah, but I get it. He's not, if he was there, he was. He's kind of too. Kind of. He's, he's kind of OP. Yeah. So like, yeah. <laughs> like his 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 action sequence is pretty dope. That's why too. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit. Uh, I also liked. Uh, Justice Smith's character, Simon, the kind of sorcerer that, you know, has to find himself. I thought that was really cool by the end. His character development, his arc. I actually really enjoyed that. So, yeah. Yeah. How about how about you, Marco? Anybody stand out for you? Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with James. Um, Simon definitely stood out as well, too, because it's just everything just goes bad for him. And it's just fucking hilarious. Like, he knows his strengths and limitations and the whole team just keeps pushing him to go beyond like his comfort zone, and <laughs> he just sells it so well. Uh, I, I liked the character of uh, Edgar Darvis, his his background as well as um, a bit tragic, but he's yeah, <laughs> he's just always talking himself out of like shit. He's he's you know fucking charming as hell. Damn. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, she was fucking badass in this. She man. Her fight scenes were choreographed really well. I was actually surprised at the fight scenes in this movie. I'm like, damn, this some of the some of these sequences put fucking Marvel fights to shame. I just want to call that out right now. <laughs> I'm like, damn, like these guys should probably write a Marvel movie. I'm just saying. Um, Sophia Lillis, when she's changing to different forms, um, it was thrilling to see her kind of change to a fly, you know, then a mouse and a freaking. <laughs> Owl a bear, a bear owl. I was yeah, like, that was owl bear. Yeah. Owl bear. I was like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. It it felt the the cast just added a, that that charm that made this feel like that much more adventurous. Uh, Hugh Grant was hilarious as you know an evil dick. Like he's just such a fucking <laughs> asshole. Like you hate him, but he's also hilarious at the same time. Um. But yeah, man, I felt that uh, really everyone, like you said, Nabil, had their 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 spotlight and their time to shine. I don't. I think maybe like Sophia Liz, Lillis's character probably could have had a little bit more screen time, but you know, who knows? Yeah, I I think all these guys just fucking worked well for this movie. No, yeah, and I'll I'll add to in regards to Michelle Rodriguez's character Olga. I thought that her her portrayal of her was really well. I like that story that we will spoil a little bit in the spoiler section. There's not much to really say about it, but just her backstory was very interesting. She's essentially the adopted mother of mm-hmm. Sofina, which is really uh, not Sofina of uh, Kira, which is a uh, Chris Pine, Darvis's daughter. And just to see that bond, like for her being a hardened warrior and then being somehow just soft to this, this little girl 
that dynamic is really good. And then just Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez's chemistry as good friends in this in this movie came across really well. So I think she was a good standout character as, as a kind of supporting Chris Pine's character. But we also yeah. have antagonists. We got some of the kind of bad guys. I know, Mark, you touched a little bit on Forge, Hugh Grant's character. What did you guys think about the Red Wizard, Safina? Uh, James, any thoughts on her? I thought it was, it, it's more of a setup, really. That's how I felt without going into too much. Like, she's talking to other Red Wizards, and obviously that's leading into something maybe bigger, I think. So that's more of like a, she's part of a, like a overall bigger story arc that they might explore maybe if they, because a sequel, which would be cool. Yeah. Uh, that's how I kind of felt. Um, she's really evil on top of that. I mean, she's crazy. <laughs> she is. She looks yeah. creepy as fuck, too. I did think it was funny as fuck when Forge comes in. And he's like, whoa. He's like, you took off your hood. He's like, maybe you should keep that on. And I was, <laughs> a good I was like, fuck. <laughs> he sees her all tatted out and shit. He's like, ooh, maybe you should keep that hood back on. And I was like, damn. So um, she worked. and I, I, But I will say she is probably the weakest link to out of the characters in this film. Because we still don't actually know much about her, but I did like the action set piece. Yeah, the, the ending where she cool. kind of got to go all out with pretty it cool. that, to see her power. That was, I think, an enjoyable scene that gave her a little bit of do. So. Yeah, you finally see it. It's not just she, there's little hints throughout the film that like, OK, this, she can do like pretty much whatever she wants. And yeah, she can make tea cold with her finger, <laughs> which creeps out for a good joke. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I didn't know you're going to do that. So it's kind of gross, actually. So, yeah. I thought it was cool. And then the <laughs> random tentacles that come out and just grab people. Um, and I liked her little, she did have a little rant at the end when she was, you know, finally being approached and attacked about how she hated being a sidekick to Forge's, you know, lifestyle or whatever, just so she can get what she wants. Um, just, it was, it was their exposition dump for her and how her feelings was. Um, but it was very much like, uh, this guy, I fucking hate this guy. I don't ever want to be with him again. Oh, and she, you guys, she hates, yeah. yeah, she hates working for this guy. Like she's only yeah. doing it at necessity cause she's helping him. Yep. But that's a means to end to get people out there for her fucking. Spot. Right. And, and, uh, Marco, we've talked a lot about this already, but there's obviously a lot of comedy in this film. <laughs> was was there anything that didn't work for you as far as like a, a duo with each other or, or like riffing off of it? Or did, did this really kind of all come together really well for you? No, everything worked, dude. E- every single joke had me fucking dying, dude. They the, the comedy really does work. And I was worried about that, you know, with what I saw from the trailer. I just didn't really know what to expect. But then when when James told me like who you know, directed this movie and wrote the screenplay, I had a little bit more confidence and I'm like, let's see, you know, how many times can you strike gold? And man, they deliver quite a f- comedic feast, dude. Like <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's this scene, it's in a trailer also. It's, I think it's in a TV spot where they're just like, they, they got to like talk, talk to the dead and they got to wake them up with a spell and yep. they only get like five <laughs> questions and, and they keep fucking it up. And dude, I could not stop laughing. Like my face was fucking red. Like James called. I was the loudest one in the theater at that point. I just just nonstop laughter. For that I, part, by the way, if you are an Auntie Donna fan, who which I'm a big fan of Auntie Donna, yeah, <laughs> uh, they did all the voices for the undead people. So. Oh, I didn't know they did all of them. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. So that is that dude. All the people. <laughs> also, did you go to the battle afterwards? No, I died. <laughs> <laughs> Like, dude, it just fucking killed it. Um, all all the riffing, you know, definitely works. Um, when when the characters are are just like, you know, just riffing off each other, saying you know fucked up shit to each other, it just it all worked, man. And it 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 gets you laughing. It, it brings levity to the story. Not that there's anything real dark in the story. I mean, just a little bit. But for the most part, it's a lighthearted adventure that just it's a lot of fun. Did you like uh, Jonathan um, Nippel? I was like, I don't know why. When I saw him, I said, "That seems like a Nabil cre- creature, like, little eagle guy." Yeah, it was. It was funny. Yeah. I love how he keeps like pausing the story. Like, you sure we shouldn't wait for him? Because I don't want to repeat this whole thing again when he's back here again. Oh, and these dumbasses get pardoned, and then they fucking still like, we pardon you. They still jump yeah, they still out, end up doing. I'm like, what a bunch idiot, of fucking dude. idiots, right? I thought I thought that was a really it was a very smart way of like this reveal because. He's, you know, at the be- so at the beginning of the film, just to give a little context here, he's 
Chris Pine character and Michelle Rodriguez, they're ex they're in front of this panel and he's essentially giving the opportunity to give a bit of exposition on the character. Very smart yeah, way of how they're doing it. Yeah. But as he's giving the exposition, he's cutting in between because they're waiting for an additional person that he keeps mentioning named J- Jonathan. And we don't know why, but apparently he makes it sound like his best friend or something like that. And <laughs> come time to when Jonathan finally shows up, they manage to use him as a means to escape. And the running joke is like they were they were going to release them anyways or or let them, you know, move forward for whatever they were doing. And um, so it was all for naught, And they got themselves in trouble anyways. And you don't know what's happening. You're just expecting like this big guy or this person to come help him out. But they just kind of used it because he's an eagle. All practical effects, by the way, they showed off on the behind the scenes. They on I follow these directors on Twitter since game night. And they're showing it off. It's a it's a fully functional suit and the wings spread out and everything. It's it's fucking cool. That's hilarious. That's that's so cool. Yeah, th- that's that's too. another thing. I think that's so so kind of going into the adventure and fantasy aspect of it. I think that helps to really sell this it. movie is because of those practical effects. Is you're not yeah. whereas like even the original original Dra- Dungeons and Dragons film that came out in the nineties. I'm sure it was. I don't. I don't even feel. I, no, that's a lie. I was going to say it's it's of its time, but it's not even the dragon no. that they have. I Jurassic, remember that dragon was Jurassic so crappy. Park. Jurassic Park, came out. dude. The dragons look fucking bad. Yeah, like the graphics were so it's bad. Like if I let Nabil fucking edit the pod, that's what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fuck or me. I'm like, there it is. I'm like, this is terrible. I know, but it's the best we could do. <laughs> I guess. Fucking. We all got a lot of money. <laughs> Um, yeah, loaded up. Spe- speaking of dragons, um, the fat dragon in this fucking movie was just fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah. Like that whole sequence just had me dying dude, too. The the one liner Chris the other drops where he says, "Did he eat the last one?" I was like, <laughs> "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> but that that Perfect those graphics are great. It it all sells to the to the idea of like this adventure aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, James, what what else? I know you you touched a bit more on the practicality of the effects. What yeah, what else helped cool. you with with the sense of the? You it was know, just everything. Like the, it, the it, they don't ever make a big deal out of like showing like there's a lot of different species of you know of like creatures and Dungeons Dragons and they, and they they show they didn't even show all of them. I mean, like I said, they didn't overdo right. it. But they show you like those cat people. Which, by the way, that baby too was all practical effects. It's a fully really? it, I didn't thing. know that. Oh, not even no no CG at all with that. All the characters were fucking practical. They actually built real sets, so it it looks good too. Uh, the, there's only one part I'll bring it up during spoilers that was a little off, but then I found out how they filmed it and it makes sense. That's why I was like, oh okay. But um, I I think it just looks good. That's why it's filmed. It's filmed really nicely. It's it's mm-hmm. bright. A lot of good colors. Sound was nice too. Um, and like I said, they, they go to all these locations. It's cool, you know. Yeah. It's like like I said, this is literally a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that they're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're going in, and then they find they need to go find this helm, so they have to go into the underground area, and then they run into Emberchad, the fucking fat dragon, right? He's well known. And then it's like, then they have to do that, but then they also are being pursued by Sofina's people, and you know, and it's all paced really well. Like, yeah, it's just on one to the part next of this thing. Film where I was like, yeah. oh my god, can they just fucking do it already? I was like, no, I'm really exploring, mm-hmm. looking forward to see. It's even like a heist film near the end, right? Like they're trying to, right. yeah. they're trying to pull off a heist. So I was like, dude, they they, they just really nailed it with this film. So, Marco, just since since you were going in this without any real expectations, we've talked, we've kind of praised this film, I think, quite a bit. But is there anything that you really didn't like in this movie? Anything not work for you or connect well with you? No, I would say the one thing that James brought up was the uh, Kira Darvis, the the um, no, I'm sorry, not Kira Darvis, the uh, the Red Wizards. They weren't really mm-hmm. like in the movie that much. We didn't know too much about them. Not a lot of exposition and was sort of like a setup. So I wish we would have gone a little bit more about that. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, if there's a sequel or whatever, that they do touch on that a little bit more. Because uh, it felt more like Hugh Grant was really like the big bad more than anything. I mean, yeah, the Red Wizards were dangerous and, you know, their magic was super powerful and everything. But um, yeah. they were like a classic, you know, smash and defeat bad guy. That's pretty much it. But it's something very like small that I can definitely overlook it. Everything else about this movie, I think, pretty much works. Not really too much to 
nitpick about it. What, what about you, James? Anything that you felt like you wanted to see more of? Yeah, the fucking paladin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I like the character a lot. I was like, God, something about this guy. What's going on with this? Uh, no, I, I, I think it's balanced out well, really. I wouldn't have wanted to see any more of it than what they showed. I think they kind of nailed it with it. Outside of, like I said, the villain is probably the only part that I'm like, just like, you know, I said earlier, it's just, it's, it seems like a setup, but maybe it'll pay off. So, yeah, and there may be a bigger story that's going to go with it if they do decide to make a sequel for this film. Yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah. And, I, I, and I'm on the same page with you guys. I, it's even just thinking about it, there isn't a lot that I feel like I was not happy with. So, I'd have to say that the villain, the main technically villain, is probably the weakest of it. Not that she was bad, just you didn't get enough of it. No. Um, so let's talk about the star ratings before we go into the spoiler section. I'm going to go with you, Marco. How many stars did you give this movie? Man, this is a shocker, but I gave this one four and a half stars. Oh, very nice. Uh, what about you, James? I gave this one a four out of five stars. I too gave it four stars out of five. So uh, I think we all pretty much agree. It's worth a watch. I think you should all watch it in the theaters while it's out now and enjoy it. And that it was a fun experience. You may actually see some people dressed in cosplay as well as it was in my theater. So (laughs) you you can have a little good time with that too. So definitely uh, worth a while to watch. And it's a good family film too. You can have, you know, a little older, not, not too young, but older kids over there watching with you. And I think they'd have a good time as well. Yeah, I brought my niece and nephew to this, and they both loved it. So, yeah. All right, we are going to jump into spoilers in just a second, just to talk about a couple small things that happened that we don't want to ruin for you, for those that haven't seen the film. So if you haven't yet seen the movie, go ahead and skip for a little bit, and you'll hear about what we plan to watch next. What's that? That was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, I'm going to go to you, to James, um, about this in our spoiler section, because I know you had already touched on this a little bit, but w- let's talk about the the big surprise cameo in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so Bradley Cooper's in this movie, out of fucking nowhere, right? <laughs> Didn't even expect it, yeah. I will say, his shit looks the worst, but I, it was filmed, like, separately from everyone else's, like, kind of secretly, I guess. So it makes oh, sense. Oh, really? You Did, shot, like, so, a like, blue the cast didn't know? He wasn't, he wasn't there. I, I don't know if they had locked in that it was going to be Bradley Cooper or someone else, maybe. So oh, I see. Uh, I did actually like it because in, in, like, the world of Dungeons and Dragons, halflings are, like, exactly how he was acting. Like, they're just really good-natured people. Like, they don't have, like, an <laughs> evil bone in their body. Very rarely, obviously, but... So, <laughs> like, the fact that he's so fucking nice... Like he's like, you know what? I really hope for the best of you and stuff like that. Right. I was like, I was like, damn, he's kind of nailing this fucking species. I was like, damn, he's doing a really good job. So I, I liked it. It was, it was. I, I didn't even realize it was him at first, and then I was like, is that fucking Bradley Cooper? I think like the thing that threw me off, and I think it could be that the graphics were weird because of the way they shot it. But I was thinking more because it was Bradley Cooper, and I'm just used to seeing him normal. That it maybe was just more noticeable like, that it was off. raccoon size. What is? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! So I think that just kind of threw me off, but I feel like that was the weirdest part of the effects. If it was like just some random dude, I may not have felt the same way and felt that it was okay. Yeah, you know, it's it looks fine. I was just like, how the fuck did does he know these people? How the fuck did they get a cameo from Bradley Cooper? He might be a big D &D player. So small. (laughs) Sorry, I almost I was almost thinking Vin Diesel was going to be somewhere in this fucking movie. I bet you he tried to be in the movie. He loves fucking Dungeons. Michelle Dragons. probably even like tried to get him a hookup, and he, then she said she like, talked no. to him about stuff, and yeah. he was like hella jealous. Apparently, he's like, "Are you kidding?" Me? <laughs> so, he still he still apparently plays fucking Dungeons Dragons all the time. Yeah, he's. I mean, he he built made a movie based off of his yeah, character, the witch, the, the, the witch hunter. Yeah, the last the witch hunter, hunter or something like that. Yeah, it's based on his what own a, character. What about you, um, Marco? Any any other uh, thoughts on the cameo from Bradley Cooper? No, I just said it was shocking, really. And yeah, because of the way that it was filmed at first, I didn't recognize him. I was like, no, that's not Bradley Cooper, is it? And then he started talking more. I was like, yep, that's Bradley Cooper. Holy shit. Fucking Rocket Raccoon. He can't <laughs> seem to play a normal character anymore. <laughs> he's either he's either a CGI uh, he's fucking animal. Stuff. He's producing, too. But yeah. I'll start with yeah. it. Take one more look. Uh, yeah, but that was like, what, five years ago? Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, but I'm like, I, I liked it, though. 
I liked it. Yeah. Cool. What about what about the how the movie ended? We talked about the big battle um, mm-hmm. that went place with Sofina. There is there's a funny ending with Hugh Grant's character Forge, where he's in jail and <laughs> he's. He's talking. He kind of also is talking about his. What do you, I don't want to go. I'd, I'd rather probably let you, uh, James, kind of talk a little bit about since you brought up the ego earlier, Jonathan. Yeah. What you thought about how that film, his his story ended essentially. I, right? I liked it actually. It's funny. I knew that he was going to try to do something. I was like, there's a reason they're covering the window, right? And it just shows you like he's technically been telling retelling the story from his perspective as well, probably in like a different kind of a. I don't know some different dialogue choices, I guess. But yeah, what I liked the main last battle though, because I thought even that and the Hugh Grant kind of it kind of comes full circle with everything too. You know, it just was like oh, because you expected to happen. Like oh, he's gonna do two. He grabs he grabs Jonathan. It's Jonathan. It's so fucking weird. Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan. He grabs Jonathan and tries to jump out the fucking window, <laughs> and they just get knocked out, and it ends the credits. But I gotta say, the last battle, I like that they faked out Sofina. Yeah. It's very it it fit their characters, like how they're just like, oh no, I can't do it, blah blah. But they're like, no, nah, just kidding, we fucking got you. And then I like that he tells her like she smells like old clothes. He's like, you smell like old clothes. <laughs> her breath. <laughs> and then, dude, it reminded me so much of the fucking Avengers, where like the Hulk beat the shit out of Loki, dude. When yeah, Owl Bear right. just went wild yeah. as fuck on her, and then yeah. threw her into that fucking tower. Mm-hmm. Like she moved a little bit, and she we went out of her again. I'm like, oh no, I gotta beat the shit out of her. So I was like, dude, Sophia got fucking murdered. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. She straight up died. That was the first time you've seen somebody like straight up die. I was like, so. whoa, she went a little overboard. But I get it. She's magical, <laughs> so you never know, right? And I was like, holy fuck. So, uh, and then you know the the sacrifice by Michelle Rodriguez was it was like okay, and then I I mean it's predictable. Because then yeah. you're like, oh, he's obviously going to use the tablet on her, right? Yeah. Unless he was fucked up. All right, have a good life. And then he leaves. <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, shit, he didn't do it. But um, I liked it. It all it, it wraps up really nicely. So It does, yeah. yeah. Um, and Marco, on your end, any other thoughts on how the movie ended? Or even do you want to see the story continue? Do you want to see more in this world? It definitely left it open for a sequel. Especially because, like, like we keep saying, like, the the whole like uh story with Safina and uh the red wizards like wasn't really i guess satisfied you know it, it it left it open for more there's a really creepy scene where she's talking to i guess like like the head of her like wizards or whatever and he's like in the shadows like oh i get telling him I about agree. some shit dude it's creepy and his cuz yeah, he's like and, it's a guy missing the nose right yeah, yeah, and he's there in the I'm wall, like, and then he just fucking he disappears slowly as the door opens, and it's just so fucking creepy. So there, there are hints that there was a bigger plan at bay that they just never, you know, got to, or that they were going to leave open for a sequel. If I think they're leaving it open, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I would definitely like to see a continuation of this. It's kind of it's like what James was saying. It's the whole movie plays out like a like a campaign. I I watched the like kind of trivia video on it to see all the shit that I didn't know about D and D, and it talks about like even the action scenes. Um, if you pay attention, it's almost like the roll of dice. Like when Michelle Rodriguez beats the crap out of those people, it's like she rolled a perfect twenty or whatever. And um, like when when uh Simon's magic doesn't work or anything, it's because he he got a low number when he rolled. And uh, it's it's interesting when you think about it and watching it in that perspective. It's like, oh, shit, like these guys really did like think about this in those aspects. And it makes it that much more uh, appreciative and enjoyable. So if they continue yeah. that in the next movie and kind of like expand on the campaign, quote unquote, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think it, it will be. There's there's a lot of I mean, as old as Dungeons and Dragons is, there's a lot of lore, a lot of stories that they can tell. Um I think this ensemble is very solid and there's a lot of potential for growth and telling mm-hmm. more stories with it, but it's also, it's also very easy to mess up. So there's, you know, if, if it's, if it doesn't all work together again, you don't have the same kind of writers. You have somebody that's, or if it's even rushed into production, a new sequel very quickly, you know, we could have something that's a bit subpar. So it does make me hesitant. Um, but if it opens up the door for more people to be interested in things like this, you know, different, different nerdy things that, you know, isn't just anything that's owned by Disney, you know, <laughs> I think that's great. You know, let, let's yeah, make more of these things, you know, and get, get people interested in it. And you'll see that they're then 
interested in playing the board game, reading the books, you know, and doing the other things that's involved with this. And maybe some, I mean, I know James, you, you, I don't think you are anymore, but you were a big magic, uh, magic player. So there's potential for something in there, you know? Well, yeah, they already Dungeons Dragons. They do the, uh, they, they came out with a collaboration with them last year. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's so many other things adjacent to this that could be added onto it. So I, I do hope that they, this helps to spur more interest into these things and we can get something that's uh, a lot of people love that just haven't been able to get fulfilled on a big screen yet. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the status quo needs to be challenged. It can't just be like Marvel and DC. If there are other properties out there that are successful in doing it better, I think it'll help to improve everyone else because they'll have a challenge. All right, so that is the end of the podcast with a review of Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Marco, let them know how they can reach us. Listen and follow us on your favorite podcast service. Trust us, we're on all of them. For a quick link to all our socials, visit linktree slash moviepalspod. Thank you, and make sure you smash that subscribe button like you're rolling Perfect 20. So you never mm-hmm. miss an episode. And make sure, everyone, that you also stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be episode number 148, where we will be reviewing Renfield, as well as continuing our Coppola Corner with our review of Jack. Thank you, Nabil. Until next time, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one. Mm-hmm.